What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. With me, as always, the CEO of Hedgepetter, the man himself, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, I honestly, Dennis, I want to start this podcast off with a quick little story, right? So yesterday, you know, obviously it's a Sunday, right? Yeah. I, would you call me crazy if I told you that for the first time, I think I can remember as a Patriots fan, I wasn't upset to be doing something else other than watching a Patriots game. I had a baby, sh- I had, I had a baby shower yesterday and like, I'm just thinking back to like every other Sunday of my life during yep. football season, I would have been brutally pissed off to be at a baby shower during a Patriots game. Absolutely. I couldn't have yesterday. cared less yesterday. No, I, I agree. And actually I, I have the way I have my basement set up. I have a big closet next to a workout room with a TV and I, I cleaned my closet while I kept one eye on the game. Like I just couldn't be, I was in, you just can't be consumed or interested in this team right now because it, it it's, it's, it's almost like a preseason type feel right now. Yeah, seriously. All right, let's get to it, Justin. There, there is so much um, to discuss with this team. We have a great roster of topics, great episodes. We're going to start talking about the disaster, the dysfunction, the debacle that is the New England Patriots. And then we're going to go around the league and try to talk about some places where football is actually meaningful because that's certainly not here in Foxborough. So let's begin, Justin, with the kickoff. That is the opening take that sets the table for the rest of the podcast, Justin. And let's start with this. There are six games left right now for the New England Patriots, which, I don't know, it feels like a lot. And I look at how bad things have gotten for this team over the last month or so. Losses to the Raiders, Commanders, the 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 Colts, um, getting absolutely destroyed by the Saints and the Cowboys. A loss yesterday to the Giants, which I th- I think is probably the worst loss they've had this year. Yep. And I see six games left, and I'm like, it's already so bad. Dysfunction at the coach, dysfunction at the quarterback, players. On Twitter, players talking out, players saying things you never hear from Patriots players before, arguments on the sideline, no one knows who's playing quarterback. It's a mess. And there's six games left. It's so bad. And I think it's only going to get worse. And I, as a Patriots fan, a follower, I am truly frightened for what is going to happen in these next six games. This this is this is a bad situation today. By the time late December, early January rolls around, this is going to be a debacle. It's I I just don't see how it gets any better. Like like but to your like to the point though of saying that the Patriots loss yesterday might have been like the worst loss of the season. How does it get any worse? Like that's what I'm saying like it's it's definitely not going to get any better, but I don't see how it can get any worse. Like to me like yesterday Yesterday was weirdly, and I didn't think these two things could be, you know, the same. I thought it was kind of mutually exclusive, but in a weird way, yesterday's loss was the worst and best thing the Patriots have done all year. It, it was, and and I think in a sense that losing yesterday, what was probably the best thing that could have happened in this franchise, and maybe the best thing that happened to them since Brady walked out that door, because you look at their remaining schedule, and. I'm not sure that I see 
many winnable games, if if any winnable games left. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers are kind of a mess too, but uh, but they're a much better team than the Patriots. Yeah. The Jets are a better team than the Patriots. We always seem to beat them. You know, the other four games are tough games. Buffalo, Denver, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. Several of those are on the road. I mean, two and 15 is very imaginable. Three and 14 is, I would say, likely. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was so important to the future of this franchise. They lost yesterday because, look, I'm no tanker. I don't want them to tank because it doesn't work. Best quarterbacks are getting drafted all over the draft. But at the same time, you have nothing else to play for this year. So you might as well get the best draft position possible. Yeah, I think we are at that point right now where we're literally just looking to next season. And, and I think just trying to figure out how we can maximize uh, this rebuild process. And you know what? Like, I, I guess I'm okay with that because you know what? Like, if this team, if we weren't going to get anywhere with, you know, maybe this group of guys, this quarterback, these coaches, right? Let's just get that out of the way. Like, what's the point of dragging that out another six games? You know what I mean? Like, I think we all know where we stand. Um, and I think we all agree that we're kind of at like our rock bottom. So maybe if anything, it presents an opportunity to start the 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 process of moving forward. And that begins with maybe getting the best draft pick possible. It, it does, but there's only so much that they can do this year because th right. there is no like young guy on the bench that you can say, bring him in and, 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 and we'll be better. There's, there's no hope on this team. That is like far and away the worst part of this. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are, equally terrible with the Patriots and they just fired their coach today, yeah. but they at least have hope. Now I don't believe in Bryce young and you don't either, but, but if you're a fan of the Panthers, you can at least look at Bryce young and say, this is the number one pick in the draft. We have hope that this guy is going to turn into a player. There's nothing like that here. Like I don't, I don't, it's, there's no hope with Mac. There's no hope with Zappy. There's no hope with Malik Cunningham. The coach is a lame duck coach. There, This is just truly riding out the string. I thought I was resilient because I am old enough to remember and have lived through some of those really bad Patriots teams from the early 90s and in, in, in the late, maybe not the late 80s, but the early 90s. But I can honestly say this for the first time in my life, literally for the first time in my life, that I just want this season to be over. Like, I, I don't even want to play. the. I mean, I'm not excited for these last six games. No. I'll probably watch them out of some misplaced sense of obligation maybe, but I'm not, you know, I, I just want it to be done, man. Yeah. It, it, it seems like it's just dragging out right now. Like it's actually, you know, very painful, I think to try to enjoy it or get into the season as like a fan. And I mean, look at, I'm sure we sound spoiled because a lot of teams have experienced this for a long time. Um, but th this is just our reality right now. Like I, I just have no interest like in this Patriots team. You know, I still think there's a couple guys on this squad that I'd like to see next year. Um, but it's just very evident that the rebuild we thought we were getting isn't what we got in reality. And we need to, you know, pick ourselves back up and, and start at square one again. Well, that's just it. Because if this was yeah. year one post Brady, you, you'd almost be accepting of it. But yeah. this is year four. Post Tom right. Brady. It's been four years and this is where they are. And I think that's absolutely just so upsetting and, and, and concerning if you're a Patriots fan. When you talk about some of the worst teams in the franchise history, you know, they were one and 15 in 1990. They were two and 14 in 92. I remember that team. I think this team is right up there and may actually be worse. 
Um, this this might be the worst Patriots team ever. And I, I think that's really saying that something. And I say that because the offense is completely devoid of any foundational pieces. I mean, you look even in those early 90s teams, there was some tidbits here and there of something to build off of. I'm not sure this team has anything on offense that they can build off of. It's absolutely right up there with any of those teams, if not worse. And Frankly, Justin, they're the worst team in the NFL right now, in my opinion. I, I think they are worse than Carolina. I, I think they are directionless and 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 not only a terrible team, but a completely dysfunctional operation now. Yeah, it, it's really slipped away to to just a, a super sad point. And I mean, you know, I even held out a little bit of hope going into yesterday. I said, okay, you know, if there was ever a chance for what little talent is left in this team to shine through. Um, you know, whether that was our, our defense, our coaching, what have you against this dismal Giants team. I said, you know, this was the time and everything just fell flat in his face. And I think it's just so disheartening for anybody who had even a glimmer of hope. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and let's say this too, while we're on this topic, they're not tanking. They're, they're trying, like they're playing hard. Yeah. I did not feel like this team has quit. No. I, I did feel like, and we're going to get into this, that they got a little shot of energy when Zappi came in the game. But I felt like they played hard. You look at how they ran the ball yesterday. You look at the way their defense has played the last few weeks, yeah. played yesterday. They're still playing hard. They're still trying. They just are not good enough. Yeah. it's And, and I think it's apparent because at a certain point, even with bad coaching, even with shaky quarterback play, like if you were talented enough, you would have found a way to even just stumble into a couple of more wins than they have at this point. I, I mean, don't forget, this was an eight-win team last year with Mac Jones being a huge disappointment. You know yeah, what I mean? So right. to, to that point, like yeah. they still found a way to win eight games. Yeah. And, and as tough as their schedule was at the start of the season – there, there, there are winnable games on this schedule that they're losing, yeah. like left and right. Yeah. So, um, this is just a total implosion, completely. Um, okay, let's move on to the next topic, Justin. I want to ask: Has someone ever done something for you that was so nice, but the way they carried themselves, or the way they carried themselves, or the way they did it, completely obscured the niceness of the gesture that they that they did for you. And and the reason I, I bring that up because it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. It's happened yeah. to everyone. Is you look at what Bill Belichick has done for this market and this franchise and his career as a coach, and the six rings he's brought into this region, the the 20 years of good football he's he's brought to the New England region, and right now. There are so many Patriots fans that want are, are celebrating the end of Belichick and actually want to get rid of this guy because he's become such an ass. The way he communicates, right? The way he talks to people, the way he carries and handles himself, the way he's handling the fact that they're two and nine right now, the way he's conducted himself the last four or five years, it just obscures his own greatness, in my opinion. Right now, I, I think that 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 Belichick, you look at the way this guy carries himself, and to any team out there that is thinking of handing this guy the keys to their franchise, let me just say, good luck. This guy's performance off the field, the way he carries himself, the way he's run the locker room the last five years, okay, there... The, Good luck to anyone that's going to give this guy the keys to the franchise. And I would even say the on-field head coaching hasn't been great. But it, but at the end of the day, you know, 
this is the ugly end for Belichick. I don't think it should take away from what he did the last 20 years, which was amazing. But the way that, that this whole thing is going down, he surely, he's really not doing himself any favors. No, a hundred percent. I mean, look, and you know, we've, we've kind of made this, this point before, but like, you know, I look at, I look at Bill and, you know, the last, you look at the last two plus decades when he was here, you know, especially with Brady and they think about the six Super Bowls, right? You think about the, the constant playoff appearances, the constant, you know, division titles. Um, and during the course of all that, the way he treated the media, the surprise decisions he made when it came to cutting or trading players, the the way he drafted, the way he approached free agency, the way he kind of ran a tight ship, all of those things, a lot of them we didn't quite understand, but we tolerated. And not only did we tolerate it, we kind of found it to be like quirky and amusing, almost like his cockiness was just a, like something that we could hold on to as a way of saying like, damn, we don't always understand what this guy does, but it works. And that's one of the things that makes him so great. But now all I can think of is like that scene in in Step Brothers after uh, one of them farts in the interview. Right. And Seth, and Seth Rogen is like, damn, now now the tuxedos seem kind of messed up, right? right? right. It's Great. like it's like now it's now I look at everything that Belichick's doing and I'm like, without that winning, without that success, it just looks super dysfunctional in like almost like the opposite of what you would expect uh, a successful coach and a successful program to be doing. He makes things worse yeah. from himself than they have to be by the way that he carries himself. Like yeah. he is making things worse right now with some of the things he's doing. And when you're winning and you're going to the conference championship game every single year, you can get away with it. Yeah. But when you're losing and you're the worst team in the league, it becomes really hard to stomach. And yeah. I would also say, we should mention, it's a different league and these kids are different kids than they were even five or 10 years ago. Yeah. And and like the act, the, the routine that Belichick did that he got away with probably a lot because he was winning, mm -hmm. it might not work with these kids even if he was doing better than he is because yeah. it's it's just tiresome and and it's 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 become antiquated and i i mean look you look and you hear all these rumors about belichick right now justin and and i'm curious to hear what you think about this i am getting concerned that this is getting so ugly and dysfunctional i'm not sure bill belichick is going to have any value to any other organization um, for next year. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of hoping for is that if this all falls apart and Belichick is gone this year, the Patriots can at least get some draft compensation because they're going to need it to rebuild this team. And the way Belichick and the way this whole thing is just imploding and the way Belichick is handling things right now, I don't think he has value to any franchise like LA, Buffalo, Dallas, Washington, whoever takes this guy on, good luck. Good luck to you because look at what he's done the last five years. You're getting the one in 15 Tom Landry. You're getting Vince Lombardi with the Redskins. We said this last week. You're not getting the Bill Belichick of 10 or 15 years ago. You're getting, you're getting the, the, yeah. the, 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 the past is prime Bill Belichick. You would have to be insane to give this guy the keys to your franchise. When you, when you look at his last five or six years, I'm sorry. And I don't think I'm having a harder and harder time seeing any franchise that would actually do that. 
I mean, yeah, I, you'd have to be real desperate, right? And I know, I think we just named a couple of, of franchises that are getting to that point of desperation that, you know, they might they may, might take the flyer. I know we've talked about the Chargers a lot. They just lost another one last night at home. I mean, that's a team that's probably desperate to do something. I'm surprised that coach is still even there. Um, but like... It, you know, I, I I look at I I look around the league and like I I look at you know what what we're starting to see and it's like don't it, it, there's no coincidences that like you're starting to see like you know the the Sean McVeighs the 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 McDaniel's the these young kind of energetic personal coaches personable coaches that like connect with the players they bring like these fresh ideas and like perspectives into like the locker room the play calling etc like. Don't you think it's indicative that we're seeing more of these guys pop up and take the reins and have success than we are like old school hard asses like Bill Belichick? Is there another old school hard ass in the league right now that's that's having success? I I can't think of one. No, in any of his and if you think about the guys who have tried to break off from that Belichick tree and become those new age old school hard asses, they all fail and They've fall all flat falling in their apart. Face. They're so all falling apart. I mean, so if that's not indicative of of the writing on the wall, I mean, I don't know what else is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, look no further than the, the quarterback thing last week. What was up? And you tell me, what is the gain of not naming the starting quarterback going into the game? Why, why you're two and eight going into a meaningless game. You are one of the three or four worst teams in the league, if not the worst. Yeah. Everyone knows that both the quarterbacks stink. Everyone, you've already benched the starter three times in 10 games now four and 11, which is got to be some kind of record. What is the advantage? <clears throat> if you're a bill Belichick, why don't you just name a starter? Why Justin did bill Belichick play games with the media? Yes. But frankly, maybe a little bit also the players on his own roster by not naming a starting quarterback publicly until right before kickoff. What what was that all about? It, it makes no sense. Honestly, I like I'm sitting here trying to like think of some way to justify. I like I just really can't, man. It's like it it it's almost again, it's like he's trying to use some like old school outdated tactic that like we just we just can't see any relevance behind. It's like what I don't know what he thought it was going to accomplish. It clearly didn't accomplish anything because Mac looked bad and Zappy didn't look great either. Um, so, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I think all it is, is it's, it's just more kind of foolery that like, we can't wrap our heads around. And like we said, when you're not winning, you, the things that you can't justify stick out even more. Yeah. I, I just think, look, at, at some point you, you should have the insight and the introspection to, to say, look, my shtick isn't working anymore. I could get away with this stuff when I was nine and two. I'm two and nine now. Like, like I'm just going to name a starter. Like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to play games. The guy like literally can't get out of his own way now. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's just so hard to tolerate as a fan. Um, you know, the difference too, Justin, there's a difference between like, Belichick's time ending. And I thought, I mean, you know, we've been talking about it for three years, right? Yeah. And, you know, seven wins, then 10. Okay, this is not going to play. Then eight last year, it kind of didn't work, was a disaster. Yeah. And, you know, you're figuring if it's going to end for Belichick, it's going to be like a couple six and 11 or seven and 10 type seasons. And then they decide to move on from him. It, it, it's important to say that what we're witnessing right now is like a total implosion. It's a total, this is an implosion. This isn't just like the, an end. This is like a grand finale, epic meltdown, the likes of which 
I'm not sure, and maybe I'm biased and spoiled because I've been a Patriots fan and follower, but I'm struggling to come up with an implosion like yeah. this anywhere in the NFL in the last couple decades. Like, I, I, I don't know. Can you think of anything? I mean, I, you know, I, I can think of definitely a couple teams maybe that have like, you know, fallen off from where they were, but nothing like this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I agree. Nothing like this. And to your point, it's not like, cause we've talked about the lack of talent in this team and like the missing holes. It's not like this team is just like capped by their lack of talent. They are not only underperforming, but regressing in like every possible way, which is just, again, if we, if we could sit here and say, look, this team, they're trying they're doing all the right things. They just don't have the horses to, to make this thing go. That's one thing, but to sit there and just watch them getting worse and not even playing remotely up to the potential that they do have that that's a big red flag. Regressing. Yes. Th that's the word they, yes. they are. They're regressing. And after three straight mediocre years and we're all screaming saying this isn't good enough we're the new england patriots they've taken like four steps back yeah. this year they've gone from mediocre to the bottom of the league and and i mean it's an implosion it's an implosion that i'm not sure that i can ever recall uh, I, I i mean a team that just completely fell apart the way the way this team has fallen apart over the last two months um, the one, and, and I will say this, they, they play like a team that knows their coach is being fired. Th that's just my, I'm not saying they're not playing hard. It's just, right. there's something funny about, and maybe it's not even saying they play, they act like, like they're a lot of them are on Twitter. How many of them have been on Twitter? The, uh, Trent Brown defending himself. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack Jones doing what he did before he got cut. Hunter Henry is saying a few things. Mike Gusecki said a few, I mean, there's just been some really weird things around here that 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 it feels like in that locker room there is resignation or acceptance of the fact that this is a lame duck coach yeah i a hundred percent like they're just there really does seem to be like the, the same way that we're approaching like these last six games it seems like the players are approaching it the exact same way like yeah, let's just no do what we got to do get through the motions and get the hell out of here and put a cap in this season. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the quarterback because when we use the word imploding, I mean, this is really, frankly, the perfect word for what we've seen from Mac Jones. Um, it's actually, in my opinion, it, this is like ugly to watch. Like, I don't, I don't like watching Mac Jones play. Like, I actually no. feel on a personal level sorry for the kid because I think he has lost all confidence in himself and maybe rightfully so. And I think you're watching like a young guy that's like coming to grips with the, the acceptance that he can't do what he thought he could do. Correct. And he is just a complete basket case right now. Psychologically, he doesn't have a lot of support around him and it's a complex dynamic. We all know that. But, but this kid is falling apart. And I'm going to say this right now. Mac Jones should not take another step at quarterback for the New England Patriots. Certainly this year, if not ever, someone else, anyone else has to be put up. I mean, find someone in the stands for all I care. Pull someone that looks good from the lower bowl. Okay. You can't put Mac Jones back out there again. Someone else has to play quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, and look, here's one of those things that, you know, I, I'm not here saying that Malik Cunningham is, is somewhat, you know, is a viable option or, or has potential to be a franchise quarterback. But I, I just look at a situation like that and I'm like, okay, you drafted a guy, right? That is, you know, kind of 
been whispered about as having like some, you know, athleticism and some talent that like, you know, they've, they've compared him to Lamar Jackson when he was yep. in college, right? You always talked about how you'd love to have a Lamar Jackson or a Lamar Jackson type quarterback if you were billing the Patriots, right? Like, why not get throw Malik Cunningham out there? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, what's yeah. the pro- what's the point of not or even the, some of the other guy? Who's the other guy that they signed? Um, that's on the 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 other Greer? backup. They cut him. Well, they, they, just they cut, cut him right before the Giants game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They, yeah. Okay, that's right. But he's I'm, not on the team anymore. Okay, so but they, they, that's the stuff. Where I'm just right. like, I don't see the point in like not giving these other guys a shot if right. this is what you're going to well, do. Well, I like, actually I actually agree with that because um, I, I think that at least if they put Cunningham in there, I could maybe like be 50% interested in the rest yeah. of this team sure. in this season. Like right now, like Zappi's not the answer. Mac is not only not the answer, he's a total mess. And it's like, it's actually cruel to keep putting him out there, I think. Um, why not throw Malik Cunningham Seriously. out there? Maybe he develops into a good backup. Maybe, maybe he shows you a little something. Like yeah. there, there's really, if you really look at the best this franchise can hope for right now with what they have on the roster, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be the, that maybe you can see if Malik Cunningham could be like a backup quarterback. Couldn't that be like the, like just, from my standpoint, the most exciting thing that I think could happen to the Patriots this year for the rest of the year would be to have Malik Cunningham come in and maybe like win a game or two and look serviceable. Like yep. that's, I think, the most excitement we could expect out of the Patriots. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't understand why you wouldn't do it. Exactly. At least like if you're going to the game, yeah. you'll at least be half excited yeah. if Malik Cunningham's out there. So why did they, why did it take them so long to, to go to Bailey Zappi, I mean, or go to anyone else. Like, why? Why do they keep Mac out there? Is it? Is there a possibility that Belichick is playing Mac out of spite at this point? I mean, is that is that something they do? I, I, or is that? Do you is think that he's just, just maybe trying like like you think he's like trying to hammer the point home that like, hey, this isn't the guy, so don't look at me. I don't know. Like, I, I'm wondering, like, because. I mean, I mean, Mac has not belonged on the field for like three weeks. Like this has been, this has been ongoing. Like he should have never played in Germany. Um, certainly after what happened in Germany, they should have absolutely not put him back out there this week. So, so why, why honestly, even do it? Why honestly, do it? the only thing I could think of is like, I think of us sitting here for like, you know, the last two seasons talking about how like Bill Belichick specifically, but this organization has kind of destroyed Mac, like hindered his development, ruined his progression. And I don't think we're the only ones saying that, right? Yeah. And I, I think Bill's probably aware of that. And I think from his standpoint, maybe he's looking at it and saying, you know, what? Well, uh, well, everyone wants to say that I ruined Mac. I ruined Mac. You know, Mac could have been this. Mac could have been that. Well, no, I'm going to show you what Mac Jones really is. You're going to see it in New England, what I've had to work with for the last three years. And I'm not, you know, but that's the only thing I can potentially think of. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to understand because what, what really is disturbing to me is if you're looking at this franchise right now, as is the inconsistency, right? Yeah. It's like it's like he was he was so bad that you pulled him out in, against the Colts, but then he was still your best chance to win, so you put him back in. It's like they're all over the place, and I really want someone who has like access to like statistics to go back and look in the history of the NFL. Has a starting quarterback been benched four times in eleven games before? Has that ever happened? Like before? I, I mean, really? Like I, I have no idea. But yeah. I mean, we're, we're spoiled because we watched Tom Brady play for twenty years, and then we watched Drew Bledsoe for eight years before that. So I mean, say what you will about Drew, but he was still good and. I don't know. Does this happen routinely? Like, I can't think of another quarterback's been benched four times in 11 years. Um, the one thing I will say, Justin, and we just hit on this a second ago, when Matt came out, they definitely played with more energy with Bailey Zappi. Do you agree? 
Sorry, you mean when Zappy came out? Yeah, when no, when Mac came out, they played when they pulled Mac and they brought in Bailey Zappy yesterday in the second half. They played with more energy. Right, right, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I well, look, that kind of lines up with the whole rumor that Mac lost eighty percent of the locker room, right? Like that, yep. like that's a pretty simple way to confirm or deny something like that, right? Is like when the quarterback changes, do you see the team react positively or negatively? And the team clearly, even though it wasn't, you know, to uh, enough to win, they reacted positively. Right. So to me, that tells me there's at least some credence to the fact that Mac Jones has completely lost. It, the trust it, abs- in that's that absolutely right. And look, you know, I think Zappy sucks too. I really do. I think I think <laughs> yeah. he is nothing special. And you see that. I mean, every time he's come in the game this year, he's throwing a pick right away. Right. But the, I think the players on that roster believe in him more. And it might not be so much because he's a better quarterback as much as he's just like not a total puddle right now. Right. And the guys in that locker room might know, might actually know and acknowledge that Mac Jones shouldn't be out on the field right now. And at least with Bailey Zappi, you have maybe a limited player, but a, a real NFL quarterback, a real NFL player who maybe is a backup at best, but still is not someone that's, that's just completely um, melting down. All right. I'm going to move on to the next topic. I'm going to pop off Facebook live right now. I want, I want to give a shout out to Matt Thompson watching who says none of the players will be around next season. That is probably a hundred percent accurate that yeah. none of these guys will be here <laughs> next year. It's going to, yeah. it's going to be a mass massive yeah. roster clean out this year. There's no question about it. There are so few foundational pieces on this team. Right. Um, this is going to be a big, big purge, 130 million in cap room. They're going to have a lot of draft picks. They're going to have the first or second pick in the second round, probably two. This is going to be a total clean out. Yeah. And look, I, we need it. It's like, it's, yeah. it's overdue at this they point. Need it. And, uh, you know, hopefully they just don't screw it up because you know, when's the last time we've seen the Patriots? But, an opportunity I, like I know, my battery's almost out. So I hope I don't lose Facebook live, but I, I want to say too, like they need it on offense, but if you really look at it on defense, they mm-hmm. actually I mean, the defense is actually reasonably well stocked. Like they, they have some young players on defense that that they can build around and they need a few pieces there, but it's not that bad, but it really is. The offense is just, I mean, this is the worst offense, certainly in the NFL right now. Yeah. And I mean, if not, if not, I mean, look at what they're producing statistically. Yeah. I don't think it's histrionic to say this is the worst NFL offense maybe we've seen in a couple years in the NFL uh, yeah. in terms of talent. Seriously. All right. If you like what you heard, check us out on uh, iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. Thanks to everyone that listened. And uh, we're going to we're gonna continue now. Uh, episode will drop tonight. Yeah, we can drop it tonight. Drop yeah. it tonight. Yeah. All right. Tonight. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, one name that's come up a lot just in the last few days is um, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Do we owe... As Patriots fans, do we owe Matt Patricia an apology? I have been as critical as Matt Patricia as anyone. The bottom line is they were a much better offense last year. They lost a few pieces. Was Jacoby Myers that important to this team? Apparently he was. Mm -hmm. This is a much, much worse offense in 23 than it was in 22. I don't blame Bill O'Brien because I really don't think you can make something from nothing. And and there's nothing on this team, but let's not forget as bad as they were on offense last year, they were way better than what they are now. Yeah. So, all right. I would, I would say that in my mind, maybe and maybe you feel differently. I felt like last year, my biggest issue with the offense was their their playmaking and their scheming, the way they approach the game. 
This year, my biggest problem with the offense is their execution. So like they both, both, both seasons have been a huge disappointment, but to me, I think they've been disappointing for different reasons. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I extract, go out, carry on. I don't know if I got you. So I like, for instance, like last year I sat there watching the Patriots just run the ball up the gut, like so many times when I thought, okay, like air it out, like take a chance. Right. Like so many times I saw them like punt the ball away or kick a field goal when I thought they should be risky and go for it on fourth down. Right. Like so many times where like, I saw them throw like these little dumb screens or like these Hail Marys to Devante Parker. And I was like, this play calling is just awful this year. They've, they've been more aggressive, right? Like this year they have mixed the play calling up and they just can't execute anything. So it's, it's like, to me, I see them, I see both offenses sucking just in a different way. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't, I guess like, I, I agree. Like, I don't feel like Bill O'Brien is is the problem. I don't feel like Bill O'Brien's done a bad job. I'm not blaming Bill O'Brien for for what I for what's happening with this offense right now. Like it just feels like we we talk about this a lot, but they just plain and simple don't have the talent. Right. The only thing I can't get over, or I keep coming back to, and if I'm just being honest, I have to say, is they were just so much better last year, even though they were bad. And it's like, you know. Uh, what what are the factors that go into that? Like, what are the differences between this offense besides the coordinator between this year and last year? Well, number one, they lost Jacoby Myers. Is, yeah. Was he really that big of a piece? I mean, he was their only stable, reliable receiver. So apparently, but the other pieces, Mac Jones is probably even worse than he was and is kind of falling apart. I don't know. The offensive line is maybe a little less stable. I, I don't know. It's like at some point, maybe Patricia... As much as I thought he was a goon, and he, I think he is, maybe he wasn't quite as awful as we all thought he was at the time. Yeah, I mean, look, I still don't think he was good, right? I'm not ready to to walk back my uh, my Patricia apology just yet, right? But but I do think that like what we're seeing now is is clear evidence that like we were not just a coordinator away, like we were not just. It wasn't just a matter of you know replacing Matt Patricia and boom, this offense is fixed. And I think we kind of like all initially thought that like, I know, and, and maybe not necessarily the two of us, but I, I heard a lot of Patriots fans. No, I think we, we signed, thought it too. I think we both thought O'Brien was going to, we thought it, we thought it would make a big difference, but I think a positive. lot of a, a positive difference for sure. But I think there were a lot of people who thought that literally the only thing that we needed to do was get rid of Patricia. And all of a sudden this year, the offense was going to explode. Like we got rid of Patricia, but, what else did we add? If anything, we just took away from 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 what we had last year. You know what I mean? So it clearly was not just the coordinator. Yeah, I mean, what it shows more than anything is, I mean, you can't run out there with a bad offensive line, bad receivers, and a bad quarterback and yeah. and expect to score points no matter who, who the coach is or how good they are at X's and O's. It still comes down to the players on the field. And, you know, when I get my mind wrapped around the relative comparison between last year and this year, you know, it makes my head start to spin because to me, if you just look at it on like the surface, the face value, it's very simple. You can't blame Bill O'Brien because he doesn't have any tools in the toolbox. Yeah. And that's why I, I really don't put a lot of responsibility on him for this mess. I, I feel almost like sorry for the guy. Like this is the worst offensive in, offense in the league. Bill O'Brien's a, a good coach. Like 
okay, maybe he's not Paul Brown. Maybe he's not as good as we thought he was, but he's not this bad. But this roster, this offensive roster will make anyone look bad, you know, that, that pops on there because there's just no talent on the team. Um, one more topic, Justin. What do you think about Robert Kraft? Where is Robert Kraft today? And what do you do if you're Robert Kraft for these last six weeks? Do you do anything dramatic? How do you how do you approach this if you're Robert Kraft? Because I can give you my take on that. I want to hear yours first. I mean, honestly, I don't I just really don't know what you can do right now if you're Robert Kraft. Like there's nothing that's gonna change the course of this season around. I mean my thinking and you know might be like you know dramatic or or too like movie movie like but like i think he needs to come out and he just needs to make like a a, a super blunt statement you know tour it to, to address to the media address to the team address to, to patriots nations the fans all that and just basically say like look what's happening is disgraceful it's embarrassing um this has taken longer than we planned. Obviously, we've had more hiccups than we thought, but we're going to do everything in our power to to course correct this and, and address this um, starting with this offseason. Like, I think that's about the only thing that you could do is just acknowledge how bad things have gotten and give us confidence that you're going to change it. See, I think the time to do that is in the offseason. Once you, once you make a decision on what you're going to do with the coach and, and what direction the franchise is heading. Yeah. Right now, I think the best thing for Robert Kraft to do is absolutely nothing. Just stay quiet. It's going to get worse. It can't get much worse because you're already close to rock bottom. It's probably going to get a little worse. There's nothing you can do about it. You fire the coach. You're just going to be creating a bigger mess and making yourself look bad. You come out and say anything, you're just going to get criticism levied onto you. You just have to ride out these last six weeks, suck it up, you know, deal with the mess, and then clean it all up in the offseason. That's it. There, there's really nothing I think that Kraft can or should do in these next six weeks or nothing dramatic that's going to really right this ship. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I kind of agree. Like, I, I just don't know what he really could do. Like I said, like, you know, I, I agree. Maybe making us waiting for the offseason to make a statement is the best thing. But, you know, for right now, like you said, I almost feel like he just, you know, he kind of needs to to stay put because there's not much that he could do to, to impact things really. Absolutely. All right. Two, two quick uh, takes on, on the players yesterday, and then we're going to move on. Number one, Chad Ryland missed the field goal. Yeah. That was the best thing that happened to this franchise. Maybe in five years, God, it would have been devastating if they, if they had won that game. And I, I know that sounds, it sounds so weird to say that, but I mean, that's the reality. Like if, if you win that game yesterday, you're in like the seven or eight. You're drafting seven or eight now instead of like yeah. two or three. I mean, think about think about if after everything you this team has gone through these last year plus, and you walk out with like the eighth pick in the draft this year, like I, it would be just such a setback. Like yeah. this, they need draft capital. So it was a great thing, but clearly Chad Ryland is not a good kicker, and 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 that's another blown draft pick and another piece on this team that they're going to have to fill in the offseason. They traded a great kicker to Tennessee who is 22 of 23 kicking field goals this year. Terrible decision by Bill Belichick to trade him away for next to nothing, a six round pick a few days before the season started. 
you're stuck with this kid. He stinks. You're going to have to bring in another kicker next year too. Add that to the laundry list. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just so many, so many holes, so many problems. Um, yeah, that kick, that was honestly, like I said, that was like the best and worst thing to happen to us. at this. It was, at, at it was the best time. thing, Justin. You, know, it, you can't, you can't win that game. You win that yeah. game. Where are you? You have nothing. Oh, great. You're three and seven. Right. Whoop-dee-doo. Right. Three and eight, whatever. Whoop-dee-doo. It would have been so awful. And then what? Then you're watching Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham the next six games. For what? So you can go win four games and and end up in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth pick in the draft. Yeah. And, and you don't and you and you watch all the franchise type players at the top of this draft go to other teams yeah. that are not as bad off as you are. But right. you just happen to steal a few wins. It, it was it was it was the best thing that could have happened to this team was him hooking that kick. I I, I cheered. I was happy. I really yeah. was. I was happy. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe. I'm like, man, is are they really gonna win this freaking game I know. after everything? And lastly, one other quick player take. Taekwon Thornton absolutely sucks. What a waste of a draft mm-hmm. pick that, that guy is. You have a situation yesterday where Pop Douglas goes down. Who is going to play wide receiver for the for the next six games? You can't count on Taekwon Thornton. That guy does not belong on an NFL field. That was a second-round draft pick that you traded up to get. And what – 25 games into his career, he can't stay on the damn field. And he sucks when he's yeah. out there. Yeah. He does nothing. Yeah. It's it, it, it's a real shame. I, I actually wa- – I, I wish I, I remembered everybody, but I just watched a video actually last night just going through, you know, our last two high draft capital wide receivers, uh, Tyquan Thornton and Akil Harry. And it was just going through the guys that we took them both before in in both yeah. of those drafts. And it's like NFL superstars. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, teams are plucking these yeah. guys out of thin air like never before. Right. And we've taken two of the biggest duds. What's his yeah. name? Pickin. Did Pickin go right after Tyquan Thornton? George Pickens are right after uh The guy Thornton. in Pittsburgh yeah. is a terrific receiver, best player on their team. Yeah, yeah. And the Patriots traded up to take Tyquan Thornton. Yes. And the Steelers took him, what, two picks later? Yeah, it might have even been like the pick after, but yeah, one I, or two picks. Later, I mean, that yeah. is just so bad. Yeah. That is so bad. Does it go without saying that Matt Groh is, is also gone? I mean, even if Belichick somehow manages to keep his job, like Matt Groh has been just a disaster. <laughs> just a disaster. I mean, everything about this team has been a disaster. Like, I, who could you point to that should have like reliable job security at this point? Maybe, I, I mean, I think. I'll give you, you know, who has the most job security in the organization of any of these coaches Mayo? is Bill O'Brien. And or Mayo. Bill O'Brien yeah. Well, I think Bill O'Brien, because yeah. do you want to bring in another offensive system? I mean, I feel like if you're going to bring in a new coach, yeah, that's at least got to be a point of negotiation is, hey, we have a pretty good offensive coordinator who's yeah. implementing a system. I don't know. Like, it's something you're going to have to discuss with whoever you bring in because, right. I mean, if, if there's one coach on this roster that you could argue deserves – Another year, yeah. It's 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 Bill O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. The I tools mean, this year, right? And then last but not least, Justin, and I want to talk a little bit about before we go to around the league. Let's talk about our plan to fix this team, right? Because that's what it's time to start thinking about. Like, what is the plan yeah. moving forward? And I think what my take we talked about this last week. This is a multi-year rebuild. You aren't fixing this mess in one year. And for that reason, I think if you get a top five pick. 
you should take either Marvin Harrison Jr. or that franchise tackle from Penn State, whose name I forget, because they cannot take Drake May or Caleb Williams and put them out on this collection of absolute crap and expect anything better than what just happened to Mac Jones. This is a multi-year rebuild. Unless you are 500% convinced that, that, that Drake May is the guy or Caleb Williams is the guy, pass on them and bring in a foundational piece with that top five pick and then trade back into the first round or take a quarterback early in the second round that you like. And I'm going to give you a name of a guy I really like. Well, what's your take? Yeah, I uh, I agree completely. I think that, you know, you need to address, either, I, like, I, I agree. I think you need to, need to take Marvin Harrison Jr. or um, I'm forgetting his name too, the kid from Penn State. Alt. But I, Was it Joe Alt or something? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, it's, I think it's, I think it's like, um, no, it's like an unconventional name. I'd have to look it up. But uh, but no, I agree completely. I, I don't think you go out and you try to take a uh, a quarterback and, and plug them into what we have right now. I, th- I think you're 100% right. I think you need to get the foundation set before you put the, the final piece. I, I would rather take one of those top other non-quarterback pieces, yeah. put them in there, and then take a chance on Jaden Daniels uh, out of LSU, whose draft stock is rising now. With a late first round pick, I mean, this team's going to have the draft assets to trade back into the first round because they're going to be picking like 33 or 34. So yeah. they're going to be able to move up into the 20s or teens if they want to. Um, the guy I like, and I'm going to tell you why I like this guy, is Bonix. I like Bonix a lot. And, 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 and the reason why is simple. You look at, at some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and a lot of the guys that are winning and winning at high level right now. Look at Jalen Hurts. What happened to him in college? He got pushed off for two attacks of Valoa, had to go reestablish himself at Oklahoma. He yeah. faced adversity. Look at how he won yesterday, the last two weeks. Jalen Hurts doesn't panic no. when he's in a tough situation. Jalen Hurts has been through the ringer and back. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick because nothing went right for him in college, right? He, he got pushed out the door at Alabama. That guy had to fight to get himself back to where he was, to get him even get to that second round. Jalen Hurts knows how to fight. Pat Mahomes, didn't he transfer in college, right? Nothing was easy yeah. for Pat Mahomes. He had to go into Texas in tech and, and win that job against, um, was it Baker Mayfield he lost his job to or something like that? Initially? Yeah. Um, oh, it might have been. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Pat Mahomes had a tough situation in college. Look no further than Brady and what he went through. I want a guy that has faced adversity after watching what happened with Mac Jones the last three years and how that guy handles resiliency and adversity. Give me the guy that, that didn't have everything go perfect for him in college. Bo Nix right now, he got pushed out at Auburn. Things didn't go well from there. He saved his career by what he's done in Oregon. He's getting better. His draft stock is rising. He has physical talent Mm. that Mac Jones doesn't have, frankly, has a great arm. I want the guy that that you can take Caleb Williams. Everything's been easy for Caleb Williams. Drake May. Does Drake May look like a kid that handles adversity well? Look how he's played the last four or five weeks. Mm. I'll take Bonex. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that at all. I uh I love the idea of saying that, hey, you want a quarterback who's battle tested and proved his resiliency before he comes to the league. I kind of love that because I think Mac Jones was the perfect example of what happens when you take somebody who, you know, they go to a program like Alabama, they're propped it up, you know, art they're they're propped up artificially by an NFL caliber roster all around them, right? Um 
and then they get to in the they get to the NFL and they just they don't have the the mental game. They don't have the resiliency to overcome. And you know what? For some people, the NFL is just so much of a different animal than high school and college that like if this is your first time trying to overcome resiliency is when you get to the league. Uh, good luck. I think you have to have some experience picking yourself back up and dusting yourself off. Um, and it, prior to getting to the league, to, to your point. So yeah, I love the idea of bringing in a guy who um, has kind of faced adversity and, and come through the other side. Especially in, in coming into this situation. Yeah. This is going to be a tough situation for any young quarterback to come into. You're still dealing with like the resin of Brady and the expectations that people have around here, which are clearly unrealistic. Um, the roster is devoid of talent. You've got a new coach. You're going to have $130 million of free agents, presumably multiple draft picks. This is going to be a tough situation for a young quarterback. Give me a guy that is going to be able to take a few punches to the face and yeah. get up and still be successful. Because at the end of the day, when I look at Mac Jones and I look at all the things that went into his failure and his 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 demise, yeah. to me, the lack of resiliency will be number one on yeah. that list. Mental, yeah, mental toughness and resiliency. That's what we've said from day one is this kid, he just, we don't know if he has the mental, his biggest downfall, I don't think is his physical attributes. Nope, it's his mental it was attributes. Not. It was sure. not his physical attributes. Yeah. It was absolutely lack of resiliency. All right, we're going to go live again for the Around the League. Let, let's, let's move on, Justin, now to Around the League. There's a lot to talk about in the NFL, a lot that, a lot that happened yesterday in the league. And, um, some great stuff, uh, really, where football still meaningful. And the good news is, if you're a Patriots fan, yeah, this season is basically a glorified preseason and totally irrelevant. Fortunately, the rest of the league is still happening. There still will be a Super Bowl this year, yeah. right? There will be playoffs. So you can at least enjoy that. Um, I think all of us, and I mean all football fans, right? I think all of us lost a little bit yesterday when the Buffalo Bills lost at the Philadelphia Eagles. I look right now at the AFC playoff field. And I see, realistically, we talked about this last week, one team in the playoffs that I think can beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who are decidedly not as great as they've been, by the way. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, your AFC wildcards are Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. Does anybody want to watch any one of those no. three teams play in the postseason? The next three teams are Houston, Denver and Buffalo. Houston has CJ Stroud. Denver's the hottest team in the league. And the Bills are still the Bills. They have maybe the best player in the NFL right now for all his limitations. I want Buffalo in the playoffs. The AFC playoffs are going to be much better and more interesting with the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. And when we talk about teams that can beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, I know Buffalo has been ravaged by injuries. I know they're a limited team. And I know they've had a lot of problems, but I still feel like they may have the best shot of actually beating the Chiefs yeah. or certainly capable of beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead because of Josh Allen. We're all better off. It's going to be much more entertaining postseason if the Buffalo Bills make it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, it, I completely agree. I think the next three teams that you said are way better candidates to be in, in the playoffs. I would way rather see Denver, Houston, in Buffalo, then, um, then the Brown Steelers in, uh, and who is it? The Colts. I Colts. mean, yeah, the yeah. Colts are in it right now. I know, I know. It's that's crazy. They're I mean, the six seed. They're not even the seven. I know. I look. I 
the thing is, I, I feel bad for the the Browns because I think that was actually a really good team that lost their quarterback and their running back. You know what I mean? Um, and they they just need to have you know every everything that could possibly go wrong for them go wrong. But like th- the whole point is that come the playoffs, like you said, not none of those teams excite me. None of those teams make me think that they could go into a tough environment and pull out a tough game. Um, and I just don't really want to watch either of those three teams. Like I'm way more invested in the Russell Wilson comeback story. I'm way more invested. It's a great story. It's It's interesting. I I love it. I, I'm way more invested in CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's what they're doing in Houston. And if Russell Wilson is 90 or 95% of the Russell Wilson of a few years ago, that's a player that can still pick a team up on his back and beat almost anyone anywhere. Yeah. On any given Sunday. Exactly. On any given and, Sunday. And, 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 and then the bills, like you said, like the bills, like they're just interesting to watch because that team can come out and, and do anything. You know what I mean? Like that, they're just a very talented team. Consistency is their problem, but talent isn't, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And see, so. and CJ Stroud, I mean, look, is he ready yet? No, he's still developing. Yeah. He can beat anyone anywhere. Yeah. I think, I mean, I mean, yeah. look, look at what he's doing right now. And even yesterday, that was almost another amazing comeback for CJ Stroud. Yeah. Were, were it not for a couple mistakes at the end of the game and a, and a missed a field goal that hits off a crossbar. Yeah. I mean, they were right there. I know they the way they honestly the way they battled Jacksonville that was that was impressive, man. That it really was because you know what? Like I know they beat them early on in the year, but like you know the first couple of weeks of the season, anything could happen. You know, you don't I don't look into those losses too much. Like who beats who. You know, when you start after Thanksgiving or around right around Thanksgiving is really where I think teams start to round into form, right? You start to see what teams are, what teams truly are, how they're going to finish the year out. And like Jaguars are seven and three. That's a good team. Uh, The fact that the Texans were able to show that, hey, that first win wasn't a fluke. Like they can compete with the Jaguars for this division. Like, and they, will in the future. I think that was super exciting to see. I want to see CJ Stroud. I want to see him go into Arrowhead. Me too. I want to see him go into Baltimore. I think it'll be competitive. You you throw Gardner Minshew into Arrowhead and divisional round of the playoffs. Come on. That's going to be a 30 point win for Kansas city. So I'm rooted for all three of those teams. We talk about the Buffalo bills, Justin, what are the Buffalo bills going to do with Josh Allen? What a dilemma they have on their hands. In Allen, you have a player that may be one of the three best players in the National Football League. Yeah. You saw yesterday what he can do when he puts a team on his back, and that was single-handedly nearly beat the best team in the NFL on the road with a roster riddled with injuries and an offensive coordinator they just brought in two weeks ago. Josh Allen is an amazing player, amazing quarterback but he turns the ball over more than anyone in the NFL. And the Buffalo Bills win that game yesterday if Josh Allen doesn't throw a key interception with about 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter that gave Philadelphia the break they needed to get back into that game. Josh Allen giveth and Josh Allen taketh away. He puts the Bills in these situations. He gets them there single-handedly like perhaps no other player in the NFL can. And then he destroys them yeah. with bad turnovers. What do they do? I don't know. You know, it's it, it, it's a really tough situation. You can see the frustration, I think, starting to build up in that organization, that team. I mean, there's no question Josh Allen's talented. No question. He's very talented. Um, but, like, what what is his ceiling? Like, is he ever going to be consistent enough to take you through the playoffs and win a Super Bowl? Like, that's my problem. Is like, I, I don't question his – talent there's ability to win like i question how consistently he can perform at that level before he just has that game that 
he craps his pants and you know they look and he turns the ball he over. Turns the ball it's over. a turnover. Is that killing? Exactly. And like, look, don't forget, like you look, you get to the playoffs, you have to play pretty mistake free for a couple of weeks in a row. And I don't know if well, that's well, something. Josh I mean, Allen yesterday can do. is the perfect uh, representation of that because that's a playoff type game. Two of the, playing the best team in the NFC yeah. in their stadium, yeah. all it takes is one mistake, and and th- and that sets you up for a loss. The yeah. Bills were in control of that game for three and a half quarters. They should have won that game. Josh Allen brought them to the precipice of victory, and then with one stupid decision, as he is known to do, he took everything away from them. I'm going to throw a name out there that's a little before your time. And that's Brett Favre was a lot like that. Brett Favre could make or break a team. Like Brett Favre made plays that other quarterbacks and players couldn't make, right? But he also made a lot of terrible mistakes. Brett Favre's best success was with Mike Holmgren when they won a Super Bowl in 1996. Josh Allen needs a Mike Holmgren. I don't know if McDermott's the guy or not, you know, but he needs a coach that's going to keep him in line and 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 get him to minimize the mistakes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, they they fired that uh who's it? Ken Dorsey, their they offensive fired coordinator. Gone. I mean, you know, look, it, 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 the offense did look better the last two games for sure, right? But I mean, look, like you said, it in a big game, it really only takes one big mistake. It, there's a difference the team, though between you know? looking better and controlling the mistakes. Like, I don't think anyone is doubting the output, like the the the, the positive results. It's about minimizing negative plays. And I think there's a certain kind of coach that that Allen probably needs. You know, Holmgren was very heavy-handed. He was like a Parcelsian type kind of guy. Maybe yeah. that the dinosaur now, I don't know. But I think Allen might need someone like that to really rein him in to get the best out of him because you know, he it's going to be hard for them to win in the postseason if he keeps making mistakes like he makes. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's talk about we talk a lot about CJ Stroud and I think he's terrific, but I think right now the most important rookie in the National Football League, and maybe you think this is crazy, might actually be Rasheed Rice for the Kansas City Chiefs, the wide receiver, because he caught three touchdowns in the last five weeks, okay? And the Kansas City Chiefs have a huge gaping hole on their roster. They don't have any one number one wide receiver, right? They have Travis Kelsey's a great tight end. They have the best quarterback in the league. Mm. They need another target for that offense to be what it should be. Rasheed Rice could be that guy if he develops. Yeah, I mean, look, this the thing with the thing with this team is like, I I just don't know if like you know as long as Travis Kelsey's there, I don't know if they will have another go to guy. Like it just you know what I mean. Like all signs were pointing for like guys like Sky Moore, you know guys like Tony to come in this year and be that dude. Like I just don't know if like you see even just their well, packages. None of those guys have developed. No, but like even like even if you just look at the packages that the Chiefs run, like they are constantly rotating like five, six different wide receivers in, in into the fray, right? Like I just feel like they their MO isn't to have a go-to wide receiver. I feel like they have Travis Kelsey and then just a bunch of other dudes that can be called on at any different at any point, just depending on the package. Like that's like so I, I don't know. Like I, I I see Rasheed Rice is like doing very well, but like I'm skeptical like how consistent he will 
be as like a focal point in the offense moving forward. If he emerges coming down the stretch, though, yeah. that fills a huge hole on Big, their roster. For them, yes. For them. Yeah. And, and like, I feel like for Kansas City, I mean, let's face it, the two best teams in the NFL right now are clearly Philadelphia and San Francisco, right? There's no, I, I think, I think Kansas City deserves to be in the conversation because they have Reed and they have Mahomes. And it's like Belichick and Brady. That's a ticket to the conference championship game every year when you have the best coach and the best quarterback. But the Chiefs have a lot of holes on that roster, especially on that offense. They they have not drafted. They, like you just named a bunch of the guys: Kadarius Tony, yeah. Sky Moore, um, Va- Va- Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah. They, they they've tried to fill that hole on their roster multiple ways since Tyreek Hill left, and they really haven't been successful in doing it. I think Rishi Rice is the most promising like lead they've had. In that way, since Tyreek Hill left, they don't need Rishi Rice to be Tyreek Hill, but can he be, you know, 80%, 90% of him? Because right now, I mean, they haven't gotten anywhere close to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if Rushy Rice can be like 90 percent of a Tyree kill, but I think he's good. Like, I, I, th- I think he's really good. Like, I mean, he's clearly showing that he's the best receiver they have on that roster. Right? Three, three touchdowns in five games. He's had three, three touchdowns yeah. in the last five games. So I'm just saying, watch because if he emerges, if he emerges, like the Chiefs deserve to be right up there in that top echelon. But if yeah. they go in, if they go into the playoffs without that hole filled, I, I really feel like they're. You know they're not quite on that level. It's gonna it's gonna be um, it's gonna come back to bite them for sure. All right, let's talk about the fact that Brandon Staley still has a job as a crazy. coach. Of the, it's so it's crazy. absolutely crazy. He did it again last night with another go for it on fourth down decision late in the game that that burned them. I don't understand what this guy is thinking. What he does, um, he is he is destroying that team. I'm not a Justin Herbert fan. I think he's super overrated, yeah. but he's destroying that quarterback. I mean, the LA Chargers are a joke of a franchise. They, they really are. They, they You go to the um, their home games, have more road fans than home fans. Yeah. They never should have put the LA Chargers in LA. They should have kept them in San Diego. Yeah. The Los Angeles was not ready for two football teams. You have a coach there that continues to mire them in mediocrity. Franchise is going nowhere. How does this guy still have a job? I don't know, man. That's that's one of the situations that like, I I thought, and I think we may have both said this, but I definitely thought he was one of the guys like on the hot seat coming into this year in terms of like, hey, like they might have a very quick leash with him given the way they've underperformed the, you know, the the epic meltdown in the playoffs last year, right? Against, uh, against the Jaguars, like, I just, I just don't see how this guy, because what the Chargers are now, what four and seven, four and seven, four and seven. Like, I don't see how he's made it to this point. I really don't. Like you, I, I felt like he needed to be like, like well above five hundred after like six or seven weeks. I thought he was going to get fired last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think most people did. So like, coming into this year, I don't understand how his leash is still this long. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to figure out. And the only thing I'll say about that is that they changed the rules about. how you can hire new coaches this year. Do you, do you see that at the owners meetings now? You can't hire a new coach until the conference championship weeks this year. And we really haven't seen many coaches get fired. The first one today was Frank Reich got fired. But yeah. um, I think that might be why. Because I think I think if you're a team and you're looking at it, what's the advantage of firing your head coach in season 
you don't you don't get that leg up anymore on bringing in the next guy and interviewing and everything because now everything's going to be structured with all these rules. You're going to have to wait till the third or fourth week of the postseason to do it. So maybe that's why some of these guys are hanging on to their jobs. Well, honestly, you know what? If anything, like, because look, I look at what happened in in Vegas with, uh, um, you know, when they got rid of McDaniels and yeah. they brought in- um, Oh, McDaniels got fired. That's right. Right, right. And they brought, I, I, his name's Lou to me. Um, but Vegas has clearly been a different team since, you know, their, their interim coach took over, right? right? And I feel like the one benefit of still being able to fire the coach in season is that if you have somebody on the roster or on the coaching staff that you think has the potential to step into that role as the next guy, it gives you a head start before you have to go to the, get to the point of like interviewing right. new guys, making that decision. Right. So it's like, to me, it just tells me that like, they don't have anybody better in house to replace Brandon Staley right now. Like they really do need to bring in someone from the outside. Yeah. Well, shame on them for that because right. I think this guy was teetering on the brink going into the season and they, they should know. And like, you know, like I just feel like he really is like, He's like the poster boy of the analytics movement and why it doesn't work in actual real life practice. And this is just my opinion, you know, and I'm going to say something now we're like calling on some of my experience professionally, but like bad doctors, okay, bad doctors blindly follow studies and statistics. Yeah. Okay. Good doctors consider the context of the statistic and make a decision with the patient, right? That's like right. the science and the art of medicine, right? right? Science might say the numbers say this, but you have to consider the individual situation and how it fits in the context of that science, right? It's the same thing with this analytics movement. Okay. Yeah. Just because some study did, did some, run some numbers and says, oh, we should go for this on fourth and four. That might not necessarily apply to the circumstances at that moment in right. time. There are things that might not be accounted for in the study you're using to justify that decision that 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 are now unique to this situation that make it not make sense to you. And last night going for that fourth down, I think is the perfect example. Your defense was playing great. Your defense got four turnovers. Right. You shut down Lamar Jackson the whole game. Why are you gambling with a fourth down that you don't need to take that chance. It was just a bad choice made on the blind adherence to analytics and statistics that has made Brandon Staley a complete liability as yeah. a head coach. Yeah, hundred percent. And we, but the, and this isn't like the first time that we've said this with this dude. It's been like, like six or seven times. Seriously, he including just, in the, the playoff, it cost him a playoff berth two years ago. Yeah, against yeah. the Raiders. Yeah, it's just it. You're just, well, I think what you're just looking at is a dude who's just way over his head. Like I think, like you said, there's a, there is an exact point like where that that you hit where it's like perfectly said. You know, the analytics don't necessarily apply to each individual situation, and I think that's what this guy just. I he, this guy just doesn't seem to have the nuance. Of, he doesn't of, have any touch yeah, or feel exactly. for like the art of a situation. Right. He's a numbers cruncher, a statistics sure. guy, and, and and I think that when you look at the way that they lose close games. And I think they, you know, we've yeah. seen it as national fans watching from afar. Yeah. They lose a lot of close games in the fourth quarter in spite of the fact they have a very talented roster. At some point, you got to ask the question, are we losing all these close games? Because we're a little bit too bought into the analytics statistics movement. And, and maybe we need to just get back to plain old conventional wisdom and the way of always doing things, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about, there's a huge game in the NFC this week, Justin, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. 
I mean, the Eagles right now look like they're the best team in the NFL. There's no question about it. Jalen Hurts is the MVP. Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. Maybe certainly deserves to be in the top echelon of the NFL. But what I'm going to tell you is do not discount the 49ers in the NFC yet, if healthy. And I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons for that. Yeah. Number one is they were not healthy when they lost two games. So they're two games back on Philadelphia now. They're seven and three, Phillies 10 and one. It's going to be hard to see them making up that difference. Um, certainly they have to win this week if they want to. So they might be playing on the road in January. But here's the thing. The Chase Young trade is a big deal for yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. You put that player on that defense with Nick Bosa or which Bosa is it? Joey Bosa. Oh, I think it's, uh, no, I think it's Nick. It's, it's Nick, Nick Bosa. It's Nick, yeah. Nick Bosa on the other side. And he's not getting double teamed all the time anymore like he maybe was in Washington. And that defense is downright frightening. So, yes, they're two games back. Yes, they've hit their highs and lows. If the 49ers can stay healthy in January and, and continue to play defense like they've done the last few weeks, they can beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the the 49ers, they're another team that, you know, I think the talent's there with them, right? Like we, we've said it, the talent's there. It's just, can they stay healthy and, and be consistent? Like I, I personally think that the 49ers, if they were healthy, would have beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game last year, right? Like I think yeah. this is like, I think this is a really good football team. Um, but like you said, there's they're very fragile. There's so many important pieces that seem to be very questionable in terms of like- I mean, you hold your breath every time every Debo time. Samuel gets ahead. Every time. Seriously. Guys I mean, hurt all the time. I mean, the thing is like, uh, it when those guys are all on the field together- I mean, it's it's it, it's a thing of beauty to watch, but but Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, I mean, Christian McCaffrey. If any one of those dudes go down, you're looking at a completely different offense and team. Now, I don't mean to denigrate Brock Purdy when I say this, because I, I like Brock Purdy and I think he's underrated. But do you believe that Brock Purdy is the kind of quarterback that can go into Philadelphia and win in January? I know. I think Purdy does a lot more really well than we give him credit for. Like, I don't think he's just a bystander on this team the more I, I watch them. But I think he falls into that maybe five to 10 range. Jalen Hurts, he's more like a top three guy. Yeah. And if you look historically right in the NFL playoffs, those top three guys usually win in the postseason. Um, is Brock Purdy going to be capable of winning in Philadelphia in January. He's probably, I, I still have questions about that. Yeah, I think I probably would have questions too. And I think even if you just look at this season, like the 49ers and Purdy specifically are way better at home than on the road. It's just a fact, right? So it's like for them to have to go into, you know, into Philly and, and beat that team on the road, even if they are healthy, that's going to be super difficult. But what I will say, like to your point is like, I don't think Purdy is just like a simple game manager. No, I, he's not. He's not. Like, I do think he's a good quarterback here's the way I would look at it. I think Brock Purdy, he's way, I don't think he would go into Philly and necessarily be the reason that they lost, but I can't see him going in there and standing on his head and being the reason that they win. Yeah. And, but, but the thing is like Brock Purdy is, is showing, improving that he is more than a bystander in San Francisco, definitely, definitely. but Jalen Hurts concurrently is proving that he is a top three franchise elite caliber quarterback yeah and you look at what Jalen Hurts did the last two weeks it, beating Kansas City 
in Kansas City, and then Buffalo, you know, against Josh Allen and all they did. Like, he's the MVP. He's proving he's at that level. Brock Purdy is going to have to play really close to that level to match Jalen Hurts, especially against that defense. That's a tall order for even a very good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot. It's, look, the 49ers will definitely be at an uphill battle going into Philly. But I do think if there was one team that could do it, it would be them, right? Let's talk, Justin, a little bit about the Black Friday game. Did you watch the game on Friday, the Jets-Dolphins? Yeah, it was such a weird... I didn't even know that game was happening oh, until yeah. like the, that day. Like That was a weird time. It was a weird game because super weird, it, yeah. was, it was just a strange... The whole layout and, and Tim Boyle absolutely sucked for the Jets. Um, did you see the Hail Mary before the half? The yeah. 90, so here's my question. At what point do you start to feel bad for the New York Jets, right? Like that was an embarrassing play. And I would say that you really have to put that play up there in the pantheon of worst plays in Jets franchise history. Like I'm thinking Marino fake spike. Yeah. I'm thinking butt fumble. Butt fumble yeah. Like 99 yard Hail Mary return for touchdown before the half. Game over, right? You had all the momentum. Yeah, yeah. You know, talk about just shooting yourself in the foot. What point do you feel bad for the Jets? Honestly, like I, I do feel a little bad for them. I mean, I was actually looking forward to the Jets being a competitive, good team this year. Like I, you know, as as much as they are rivals, and you know, you 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 never want to see the you know the rival be be better than you. It's like uh, by the same token, I'm like I I just kind of wish that they got at least like a, a season or two to to at least live up to the potential that they've been built at. You know what I mean? Like that that. That fan base just put up with so much. They, they have. And it's like, you know, you're supposed to hate them because they're your division rival. Right. But I, I really can't help but feel bad for them. I mean, they just find ways to churn out these amazingly bad plays on amazingly bright stages. Like, they don't just come up with these bizarre it's like when they're on national television like yeah. the butt fumble happened on thanksgiving everyone was watching right the marino fake spike was a four o'clock game national television right some of the most sam Darnold seeing ghosts that was a monday night game they find ways on these like big stages to have these like ridiculously bizarre things happen to, to their team to their players that it's just like remarkable at some point like it's like torture. I mean, how about Aaron Rodgers yeah. blows out his Achilles on national television? It's never happened that that a quarterback came in and within, I don't know, was it five plays? Maybe even less. I think it was like his third Third play. play. Yeah. That's never happened in the NFL before, a new quarterback, right? Yeah. Literally all the hype, all we talked about Aaron Rodgers all offseason, right? <laughs> the Jets fans are so amped. You know, you got Fireman Ed with the helmet <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the yeah. crowd is amped. The place is nuts. America's watching the 9-11 tribute. 9-11 tribute, everything. everything. Yeah. America's all, this is their moment, right? Nope. First thing that happens, Aaron Rodgers, literally non-contact injury, blows out his Achilles, season over, back to freaking Zach Wilson. Yeah. It's just like, how, do, how does it happen to the Jets over and over and over again? It's amazing. Honestly, it's, you really do feel bad. And like, if, like, I think the other reason why, like, like, when Brady left and we went through this whole rebuilding stage, like I think as Patriots fans, like, I don't know. I kind of said to myself, like, hey, we had a really good run. You know what? Let some of the other guys have a chance for a couple of years. You know what I mean? And right. it's like in that couple years span, 
None of those teams have been able to do anything noteworthy. I mean, the Jets cannot get out of their own way. Nope. The Bills keep falling flat on their face. The Dolphins can't beat a team over 500. Right. It's like, uh, at a certain point, I there was there was a part of me as a Patriots fan that was like, you know what? I hope these guys are able to experience a few years of uh, a success while we rebuild. But now I'm just looking at them and I'm like, dude, you guys have done nothing with this opportunity. Nothing. And, nothing. and, and it's not for lack of trying yeah. either. Like, no team, you know, and as a Patriots fan, take take notice of this, right? Who's drafted more quarterbacks in the top five in the last like 10 or 15 years in the Jets? Yeah. I mean, Darnold, Zach Wilson, Mark Sanchez. I think there was another one, someone in there. I mean, they, 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 they try. They just can never figure it out. And it's like they take these guys and somehow they fall apart yeah. every, every single time. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving, Justin, before we wrap it up. Um, the Detroit Lions, right? Like, what is your concern level? I, I, we, we had a conversation last week about Jared Goff and saying how he was the most accomplished quarterback in the NFC. And I, I, I kind of stand by that take, actually, because I still think, look, Goff is what he is. I wasn't saying he was the best quarterback in the right. NFL. I was saying he's accomplished. He's done more in his career than a lot of these other guys. But... They've had two bad games in a row now on offense. They seem to have real issue protecting Goff, which is strange because I thought they were supposed to have a good offensive line. They're turning the ball over a lot, and they've got embarrassed at home by Green Bay. Yeah, uh, Jordan Love really kind of ran, imposed his will. We're talking Jordan Love, not Pat Mahomes, by the way. Imposed his will on the Detroit Lions. So clearly, maybe we were premature to put them into the top tier of the league. Um, what, what do we do yeah. with Detroit? Yeah, I still, th I guess Detroit, to me, they're at like that 1B level, right? Like I said, I don't think they're like the Phillies, the, the 49ers, yep. the Kansas cities, right? I will say the one thing in their defense is not, you look at that, not only is it a divisional game, but it's a home game on a holiday, right? I'm sure a lot of those guys are thinking about getting back to their families and whatnot after in the week before they just put their hearts and souls into a comeback against another division opponent in the Bears, right? Like we talked about everything that they had to do to claw and scrape their way back, right? Like I feel like the Packers caught him at a perfect time. You have a divisional opponent catching you after a big comeback win during, you know, during a holiday. Not making excuses for the Lions, but if there was a time to come up a little short, I could see that being the case. But like Nevertheless, I still think they're like a 1B team. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win a game in the playoffs, maybe even upset someone and get to the NFC Championship, but I don't think that they're a real contender. People were talking, we were talking about Detroit as being Super Bowl contenders and a, a threat yeah. to the number one seed for Philadelphia. Yeah. And that, that might have been a little premature in retrospect, you know? Yeah. I mean, but the thing is we, we all want to root for Detroit because right. because they're such a great story. I mean, you talk about a losing loser franchise. I mean, they haven't been eight and two since the Kennedy administration right. going into that game. So you want to see that team and their fans. It's a great story. You want to see them have their moment. They're right there. You know, you think you, you root for it as a, as a national fan. They're an easy team yeah. to get behind. And and so maybe we're a little premature to put them in the top tier, but I agree with you. They're they're looking more like a second tier team, probably not a real Super Bowl contender. But but it's we'll, we'll see. There's still six weeks left. Okay, right. all right. And then last but not least, got to mention quickly: Carolina Panthers fired their head coach today. Yeah, look it. Eleven games into the season, you just drafted Bryce Young number one. The problem with that franchise is the owner is nuts. David Tepper is nuts. How do you, how do you, you traded everything 
for Bryce Young. When two guys like us sitting here said that was a terrible idea, yes. don't do it. Everyone across the league said, big mistake. You drafted the wrong guy. You, David Tepper, wanted to do that as the owner. You bring in Frank Reich to develop that guy. And then you can him after 11 games. I, it's the definition of dysfunction. Yeah, I think Frank Reich took, uh, he he got the raw end of the deal here. I think he was the scapegoat for a bad decision in a bad, you know, bad quarterback play. Like, yep. I don't think it's Frank Reich's fault. I really it, don't. It, it's, they didn't even give him time. Like, you, I mean, no. you got to give him time to develop this kid. Look, I'm no Bryce Young fan, but- Peyton Manning was awful for his first 11 games. Drew Bledsoe was awful for his first 11 games. Troy Aikman was awful for his first 11 games. You know, Brett Favre didn't even get on the field. You know, I mean, I mean, there, there, there's all kinds of examples of really good players that, that started off really bad in their career. You got to give Reich at least two or three years to, to, to work his program. And oh, by the way, the cupboard was bare in that team too, and they didn't have a lot. There's nothing on that offense. I mean, their best player is Adam Thielen, who's a, who's a journeyman, kind of yeah. washed up guy. It's just so impulsive to fire your coach after 11 games when you just hired him with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I think that was that was a panic move. I think it was a panic move because you're quickly realizing that you're seeing CJ Stroud and you're seeing some right. of these other quarterbacks and you're quickly realizing you made a very poor decision. I think it was even worse than panic. I think it was petulant is what yeah. it was. Like an impulsive petulant, like a like an impulsive petulant king or something yeah. that just on whim decides to like lop someone's head off. You yeah, know? Yeah. This is exactly what it was. Like he's got pissed about yesterday and and decided he wants to fire the coach. Well, what what now? Where does that leave your franchise? Who's going to coach your rookie quarterback? You're going to give your rookie quarterback that you just traded your future for, you yep. mortgage your future for, now you're giving him a second head coach in his first season. New system, maybe new terminology at some point. I mean, it's, it's just terrible management. Very terrible, yeah. All right, brother. I think that's all the time we have. We're going to wrap it up. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to add before we... we Put the bed this edition of the Dr. Football Podcast. No, man. You know, that's it. I just, like we said, I hope next week um, we get to see maybe uh, a Malik Cunningham or, or somebody. I mean, we got six weeks left. We got to find a way to have some sort of interest in him. Will we you know, know who's going to play quarterback this week? Probably not. Probably not. Probably right. He's going to keep it a mystery. But no. But yeah. Well, I'll put know. it to you this way. Like, I, if I'm thinking, is it worth my time? to go down to Foxborough yeah. on Sunday, then what's everyone else thinking? Because I'm as diehard in terms of going to these games as anyone. We have great seats. We have the GP atrium passes yeah. now. It's a great experience. So if I don't want, I'm like, man, I don't know, you know, do I want to go? What's everyone else? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. No, seriously. And and honestly, it's as a, I'm curious, as a season ticket holder, right? When you look at like the state of the organization and like what's happening, like, are you looking at it saying like, wow, like these guys, they built up this, this stadium and they're doing all these, these extra, you know, kind of cool things for the fans, but everything is, is lacking. The product is you, lacking. You know what, Justin, I'm going to be just, completely honest with you about that. I, I just don't blame Kraft. I don't yeah. blame Kraft yet. I think he trusted Belichick. I, I, I think we've talked about this before. It was reasonable to trust Belichick. I think right now from this season, this off season on the ball is now in Kraft's court to fix this. Yeah. But I think that up to this point, he's trusted the professionals. And that's what I, 
think he's supposed to do as the owner because as, as much as Robert Kraft is a great manager and a great owner and a brilliant businessman, he's not a football guy. Yeah. And so you trust your football guys to do the football job. When Bill Belichick comes to you and says, Tom Brady can't play anymore, we got to get rid of him, then then what are you supposed to do? I mean, we, you know, you you could use a hundred examples like that the last few years. So, so I don't blame Kraft to this point, but it's now it's up to him to bring in the next football guy and to get this franchise back in the right direction. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll see what happens. We'll we'll yeah. see what happens. But it's going to be a long final six weeks because oh, these yeah. games are basically meaningless and, yeah. and there's just not much. To, to really look at. I mean, I'm, am I going to watch them? Of course I'm going to watch them. I mean, you know, yeah. what are we looking for? I don't know. Right, what are right. we rooting for? I right. don't know. You know, uh, it's, it's like watching a, a bad, I don't know, reality show or a bad movie. It's just like a gruesome scene. You got to see what happens, but you don't really know why you're watching. Yeah. And you know what? I'm still at the stage where I'll take the worst NFL game of the week over any other regular season sport. That's, you know that's I mean? really what it is. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's more like reality TV almost than sports when it gets right. this bad. You know, it's like, what's going to happen next? What's Belichick's facial expression going to be? And yeah. who, who did Bill O'Brien yell at this time? That, that's yeah. almost what you're watching for. All right. That's all the time we have. We want to thank everyone that watched this episode of the or listen to this episode of the Dr. Football Podcast or watch it on Facebook Live. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the week, everyone. We'll be back next week to bring you another episode of the Dr. Football Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.